Welcome to the Muso Church Podcast. Here, we share the powerful and practical gospel of Jesus Christ until everyone is free and flourishing. We're so excited that you're here. Wherever you're listening from, we are trusting and believing that God is going to touch your life through this podcast. Are you guys good? Isn't it great to be here? Amazing, yeah? It's life-giving. Life-giving. Can I preach? Yes. I always feel like I've already preached. I was hoping that you say no. We are good. You can, you can go home. Uh, you guys make me work over time, yeah. But it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Uh, the the latecomers are on time today. The title of my, of my sermon today, we are finishing uh, the sermon series uh, titled um, New Wine. And uh, the title of my, of my sermon this morning is Don't Drink Cheap Wine. I was saying to Taiki just now to say, by the end of this series, some people will be alcoholics because of how much I'm preaching on alcohol. Don't drink cheap wine. Because imagine for a second what happens in a wedding where there is... Jesus in the midst and uh, the host, the groom, takes out wine and he puts it on the table and offers the people. And Mujuda, they run to the front and they are drinking, they are drinking because they want to make sure that, you know what, they drink as much as they can. And they drink and they drink and they drink and then the wine finishes, Busi. But when the, fi- the, when the wine finishes, Busi is also finished. Deplete. I don't know if you know those people who you go to, to, to events. And you are in a queue, and they are dishing up, and you are looking at their plate, you are like, oh, most of you are not going to get anything here. They're like, what, what is this person doing? Have you ever seen those people? Is that person you? Uh-huh. But we hear once more that the wine was finished. Is it possible that it was not a lack of planning from the host, but the greed of the people that were there. Because they thought this is the best we have. We had better drink and make sure that we are full. But little did they know that they are consuming a lot of what is cheap 
Because after Jesus turns the water into wine, even the MC comes to the host and says, who brings the best wine at the end? But those that had consumed the cheap wine, they don't get an opportunity to, uh, to uh, partake of the new wine. Why? Because they are already drunk. Is it possible that they now cannot be partakers of this new wine because they are already drunk of the cheap wine? Because they thought that this was the best. They didn't know that, no, 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 when Jesus is in the building, your best is this entry level. The best is yet to come. Don't drink cheap wine. You see, some of you, you are unmarried and you are having sex and you think it is the best sex. <laughs> Let me tell you, you are not having the best sex. The best is yet to come. Do it in the confines of marriage like Jesus said and you will enjoy the best sex. What you are having is nothing. And the nice thing once more is that this one, I can even do it before I come to church. Yeah. I, can, I can do it before I come to church and stand here and preach without guilt, without shame because it is within the confinements of what Jesus has brought my way. It is better. It's better. I can after that and ask my wife, let's pray. And we say, God, thank you. This is the best. Don't drink cheap wine. Anything that is enjoyed outside the will of God is cheap wine. Anything that is enjoyed outside the scriptures is cheap wine. Regardless of how good it tastes, and some of you, you are busy drinking this one, that when the good one comes, you can't even have it because you are spent. Because you are spent. When the good comes, you can't recognize it because you are spent. You have destroyed your reputation. Even when the woman that God has destined for you comes, your reputation is a mess. You are spent. You are spent. Don't drink cheap wine. In Christ, there's something better. You're destroying your business by taking bribes. And when the opportunity that God has destined for you comes, your name 
is a mess. Don't drink cheap wine. Don't drink cheap wine. It's quick, it's fast, and it gets you drunk very quick. See, when we speak about wine, we're speaking about the blood. In the Bible, the, the wine represents the blood, and the blood represents the covenant. There is the old covenant and there's a new covenant. There is 32 differences between the old and the new covenant. And one day I'll do a teaching on that. So what is the difference? There's 32 of them at least that I could gather together. But one of the main differences is that with the old covenant, you had to pay for your sins. In the new covenant, Christ has paid for your sin. In the new covenant, you had to die for your sin. In the new covenant, Christ has died for your sins. In the old covenant, you deserved to die. It's not a mistake. But in the new covenant, he died so that you may live. And some of us are still living under the old covenant. Because in the old covenant, we are trying to sustain our righteousness through our own acts. But in the new covenant, we know that he is our righteousness. We receive this righteousness through him. And it is, you know, self-righteousness is, this, the, is, the, uh, it is the indicator of someone who's drinking cheap wine. Self-righteousness is a lack of understanding of the grace of God. Self-righteousness is a sign that, you know, sometimes when someone comes to you and, and they start judging you and they say, oh, me, I'm better. You're like, you drink cheap wine, man. <laughs> I can tell. Okay. So they went up, four cousins. <laughs> Guys, if there's someone in this house who drinks four cousins and, and, and you are offended by what I'm saying, good. <laughs> were, you, were you waiting for an apology? There's a guy who wrote, he says, me, my wife, cannot, you know, there's Kron, Yako, Champagne, Yako, Woolies. Says my wife can't be drinking this. I'm like, yeah, mm. yeah, no. It's tough out here, guys. You must level up. You see, we need to know the word of God because it elevates us to where we should be. It the word of God brings us to where we should, the level we should be. It changes our palate. It makes us see when you read the New Testament and you read through it, then you realize that the stuff that you are drinking, you should not be drinking. The stuff that you are eating that you should not be eating. There's lifestyles that you are, there's places you are going that you should not be, be going. Don't drink. Don't drink cheap wine. Don't drink cheap wine. Because in cheap wine, you have to pay for your sins. 
That's why in practice, if you drink cheap wine, you wake up with a headache. But if you drink the nice things, that's the good stuff. I don't know, I've heard. <laughs> Can I just make it clear? I am not advocating for alcoholism. Before I'm misunderstood, I'm just bringing it to a level because I know you. <laughs> I know your ways. I can see them in the spirit. Some of you I can point yesterday. I want to show you a story where the difference between the two, the new covenant and the old covenant, comes into play. And then we're going to call it a day. Is that okay? The story is found in John 8. This is a story of the woman who was caught in, in adultery. This woman was caught in adultery by the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of of the law and they they found her in adultery it was not a false accusation the devil was not testing her she was caught in adultery it was not a false accusation it was she had done it and can you imagine guys if you are caught in adultery if someone catches you in adultery uh, you probably grab what you can. <laughs> Imagine she's standing in front of Jesus. They have brought her in front of Jesus. And she's standing there with the guy's pants and, uh, you know, and uh, T-shirt is upside down and she looks a mess. Yeah. The reality about that story is that the woman was guilty. The woman was guilty, and she was guilty just as you and me, Osbongi, are guilty. We were caught in our adulterous ways. We were caught in our sinful ways. We were caught in our brokenness. We were caught in our mess. We were caught in our traumas. We were caught in our pain. We were caught in our, in our mess. You see, sin, trauma, pain, or suffering drives us to five areas in the main. Trauma, sin, pain, and everything drives us to five areas in the main. Oftentimes, it drives us to girls or to guys. Trauma drives us to sex. We use sex to try and fill up the pain that is caused by trauma. Or it either drives us to the glass. We start drinking to try and deal with the void and the trauma and the pain of what we are going through. We try to subside it. Or it drives us to gold. 
we work excessively, we love money excessively because we're trying to deal with the repercussions of our sinful lives. We're trying to deal with the repercussions of our broken life or it drives us to the grave. We're trying, we, we want to kill ourselves. We have suicidal thoughts and we, we feel like dying. We have anxiety and depression. It drives us, it can drive you either to any of those four places or eventually, ultimately, it can drive you to God. So it can either drive you to girls, to guys, or it can drive you to gold, it can drive you to the glass, it can drive you to the grave, or it can drive you to God. We find that this woman is found in adultery. And because she's found in adultery, these guys, they take her to Jesus. You see, when I knocks, they could have taken this woman to the priest. And the high priest could have ordered that they stone her. And according to their interpretation of the law, that would have been all right. It would have been justified. Keep why? It would have been justified that she is stoned to death. They could have actually in that moment stoned her to death. And they would have been justified in stoning her because she was caught in adultery. It would have been according to their interpretation of the law of Moses. That's why they say to Jesus, should we stone her? Because according to the law of Moses, a woman who's found in adultery should be stoned. They say, should we stone this woman according to the law? The law permits us to stone this woman. She needs to pay for her sins. She needs to be killed for her sins. Should we kill her? They made a mistake. They made a mistake. You see, I'm like, oh, the Pharisees, you should have killed her while you had the chance. You made a mistake. Because as opposed to killing her here, you took her to Jesus. You made a big mistake by not killing her while she was still naked and broken and you took her to Jesus because you think Jesus operates the way you operate. You made a mistake. You made a mistake that you took her out of a mess and you took her to the presence of Jesus. You made a mistake. You thought you were taking her to be crucified, only that you took her to the one who has been crucified. You made a mistake. You say pain and, and, and depression and everything. You are here this morning and you say my pain, my trauma, you made a mistake by allowing me to come to church. You made a mistake by allowing me to come to a house of worship. You should have killed me in my bed. Oh my God, 
They starve that should have killed us. But those things have driven us into the house of God. There's some of you, you are here because pain woke you up this morning. I'm like, oh, you pain, you should have killed her this morning because now she's in the presence of God. Yes. The stuff, you're like depression, oh, you made a mistake. You shouldn't have allowed me to come to church. My doubts, you made a mistake. You shouldn't have allowed me to come to church. But now that you are here, I want to declare upon your life that you are going to live. I'm going to declare upon your life, you are not only going to live, you are going to live victoriously. Yeah. Listen, guys, you know what? I, I, I grew up without a father. And that void of not having a father is what drove me to church. And every day I say to the devil, you made a mistake. You should have killed me while I still did not know who I was. Now that I know who I am in God, you are about to see something you have never experienced before. You should have taken me down while I was still insecure. You should have taken me down while I was still depressed. You have brought me to the wrong place. You should have taken me to the tavern. Your problem is you allowed me to go to church. You allowed me to worship. You allowed me to pray. You have taken me to a wrong place. You see, guys, as long as you are in the house of God, Lima Show, as long as you are in the house of God, you are in the right place for your restoration. You're like depression, you should have not allowed me to wake up in the morning. You should have not allowed me to use this last strength to come here. But now that I'm here, you see, <laughs> oh, the Pharisees, they thought they were setting her up. They didn't know they were lifting her up. They should have taken her to the Pharisee, to the, to the high priest. They should have taken, they should have thrown her on the, on the moment. And guys, the fact that you are sitting here, the devil has lost. Because the old wine required that they stone you on the spot. But the grace of God confused them that they thought they can bring you to Jesus and still condemn you. They thought you can still be in the house of the Lord and still live with depression. They thought you can still be in the house of the Lord and still live in sin. They still you can be in the house of the Lord and still live in brokenness. They thought you can still be in the house of the Lord and live the same way you come. You say, the devil, you made a mistake. You should have killed me on my way here. You should have killed me on my way here because I've received a word that says in the pressing, my anointing is flowing. You should have not allowed me to come here. You should have kept me on my bed. You should have kept me busy with something else. You should have killed me while I was still sleeping. But now that I am here, you are about to experience a me that you have never seen before. You should have not brought me here. There's people who come to church as a last resort. I'm like, no, 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 you have just come to your best resort. You have just come to your best resort. Because Jesus is always the best. The best. The best resort. You should have killed me while you had a chance. Listen to what... <laughs> listen to what X3 verses 19 says. It says, so repent... 
change your inner self, your old way of thinking. Regret your sin and return to God and seek his purpose for your life so that your sins may be wiped away, blotted out, completely erased, so that the time of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, restoring you like a cool wind in the hot day. That's what the presence of God does. The presence of God changes us once more. The devil should have killed us before we come into the presence of God because in the presence of God, X3 says it changes our mind. It changes who we are. It says we find the purpose of God. It says it wipes away the, the, our sins. It says we are refreshed. You say when I live here, devil, I am living here changed in my mind. I am living here having found my purpose. I am living here having received the healing that I deserve my freedom. I have freedom now. When I live here, I live as a free person. I live as a refreshed person. You should have not brought me to the house of God. Let me tell you, when the devil is trying to steal from you, he starts giving you ideas that, no, you can pray by yourself in your house. See, when, when you know that he wants you high and low, Oh, church, you start having all kinds of uh, postmodern ideas. No, I can worship and I am the church. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm the church. I can pray at my house. You're like, yeah, the Bible encourages you to pray at your house. But it also says do not neglect the gathering of the brethren. You are right. You are just missing the point. You are woke, but you are fast asleep. <laughs> it starts, when you know that now he has you by the washings. <laughs> you, 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 you start saying, ah, giving is an Old Testament thing. Uh, then you know that. Yeah. I, 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 I clarified the tithing business, right? Yeah. We're, we're all on the same page. Yeah. In Musa Church, maybe for the visitors, we believe in tithing. Yes. Not because we have to, but because we want to. Amen. We love it. Yes. We enjoy it. Yes. You know, Abraham did not tithe because he had to. When he tied to Melchizedek, he gave because he was grateful for the victory that he had won for him. I'm like, oh, Jesus, how many are the victories that you have won for me? I'm not going to insult you by having these petty arguments. Amen? Wait, how did I get there? Listen, John 8, from 4 to 6, it says, And they said to Jesus, Teacher, we caught this woman in the very act of adultery. Doesn't Moses' law command us to stone to death this woman like this? Tell us what we should do. They were only testing Jesus because they had hoped to trap him with his own words and accuse him of breaking the law of Moses. Can I tell you guys, oftentimes 
we are not the target of our suffering. The gospel is. The enemy is trying to test the strength of the gospel, not you. He wants to make the gospel look weak. He wants to make the gospel look useless. He wants to... <laughs> you know, it was funny during COVID how the church was mocked. They say, yeah, where are they? Now, they, let them pray. Gos- the, 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 they are losing their faith. They, they, let them pray for COVID to go and, and all that. The suffering was, was happening through us, not to us. It was to test our resilience and our, our faith in this God. And unfortunately, many of us fell by the wayside. They did not bring this woman to Jesus so that she can be killed. They came to Jesus because they wanted to test Jesus. Guys, don't be the reason why people are laughing at the gospel. Can we not be the reason why people are laughing at the gospel? They look at us, they're like, ah, ah, what's one? Why must I go there? Look at how they are. Look at how they behave. Look at how they treat their wives. Look at how they treat their husbands. Look at how they speak to their husbands. Look at how they speak to their friends. Look at how they work. Look at how, look at the quality of their work. Look at the quality, look at the, how they do business. We are not just representing ourselves. In fact, we are not representing ourselves anymore a, a, at all. We are representing the kingdom of God. Paul says we are, the, we are Christ ambassadors. Now as an ambassador of Jesus Christ, how are you doing? How are you doing as an ambassador of Jesus Christ, Janet? If I walk in your circle and say, your friends, not, not your church friends, let's leave your church friends. Okay? Here we have two types of friends. We have our church friends and our non-church friends. If I hang around with your non-church friends and say, guys, Zanele is Christian. Yeah, yeah which, yeah, they were, uh, which, 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 which Zanele, which one? I'm like, no, this Daniel. They're like, I win. <laughs> Has Christianity changed? They were doing it to test Jesus. Our lives will be a reflection of people. The only reflection of Jesus they have is our lives. There's, they have none el- nothing else. You know, let me tell you a sad story. There was a guy I knew many years ago. And uh, he, he moved into a suburb. And uh, after moving into the suburb, he saw a lady. So this lady would see him go every Sunday morning going to church. And this lady came to him and said, you know, well, in conversation. They started talking, oh, I see you go to church, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And, and he says, yeah, no, I go to church, da-da-da. And he then got an opportunity because this lady was interested in, in, the, in, in, in his life of church. He had an opportunity to, 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 to evangelize to this lady. But, oh my God, shame. But because this lady is dealing with some brokenness, misunderstood his care for romance. 
And the lady thought, ah, must I found myself a man of God. But this girl is broken. Then she comes to visit the guy. And while he's visiting, the lady, I get to know, they are dating. The lady then made a move on the man of God. And the man of God embraced the move. And as they were busy, the man of God ministered into her. Listen, listen to what this lady says. This lady says, I'm going on for this. I think that that was the most heartbreaking thing I've ever heard. This guy stopped once more. He says, I've just rubbished the gospel. Because I was the only reference of the gospel this lady had. And now I've just said to her, in Christianity, this is what we do. In Christianity, this is what we do. He repented. And that lady never grew in Christ. I don't know where she is. She doesn't know where she is. I hope wherever she is, she found Jesus. And God restored her. This guy missed an opportunity. He missed an opportunity because, guys, what we do is not just about our preference. The gospel is at the altar of our actions. People either believe in Jesus because of how we live or they move away from Jesus because of how we live. They brought this woman because they wanted to test Jesus. The way we live our lives, it's not, our mistake doesn't just cost us. It does not disqualify us to heaven when we make a mistake. But it might be stopping someone to receive Jesus. It might be stopping someone to receive Jesus. You know, just when I got born again once, because me, brah, I was busy, guys. Yo. <laughs> I got born again, and I got introduced. I got invited to this church. I was just a newborn again. And then when I walked in, I had a girlfriend at the time. And she invited me to this church. And on Sunday, I saw this lady, tall, yellow bones, worshipping on stage. I was like, wow. <laughs> no, no, no. It was not that. Get your mind off the gutter. I was just, I was just impressed by how such a young, beautiful lady can be worshiping God and speaking in tongues. I was just intrigued by how passionate she was worshiping. 
No, 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 serious guys, no, no, no. Can I ask you a favor? Just once in your life, respect me. Eh? Like, just respect me for once. And this lady, I was like, wow, man, it's great to see. This church was a, and there was a lot of young people. And they were so passionate about God. I was like, wow, actually, this is actually interesting. And then I joined the drama group, and me and my girlfriend were in the drama. And this lady, so me and this lady then became, in the drama, we became partners. So she was like my wife, in the drama. Yeah. Ah, guys, say my feeling, man, wait. You know what? I'm leaving the story. And during... During the, the session while we were practicing, I asked the, the teacher to go out to the loo. And then I went downstairs, I went to the loo. And as I was coming back, there was a passage. As I was coming back from the loo, she was coming. So we were, were going to meet on the passage. And I'm coming. And just as I was about to pass her, ah, sister, she grabbed me. My God. And, and that was a very confusing moment for me because I'm, I'm this young Christian and from where I come from girls do this I didn't expect that the lady that I saw worshipping so hard on Sunday to do it to me. And it prolonged my, my, my time of sanctification. Because then I stayed in my life. Because I'm like, oh, so this is what Christianity means. So I, okay. Then I, had, then I, they both became my girlfriends in the church. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know better. <laughs> Guys, I need to close. I need, that was cheap wife. <laughs> the Bible says, and they, they were only testing Jesus because they, they wanted to trap him with his own words and accuse him of breaking the law. But Jesus didn't answer them. And he's, instead, he bent down and wrote on the dust with his fingers. And angry, they kept insisting that he answer their question. So Jesus stood and looked at them and said, Let, Let's have the man who has never sinned or had a sinful desire throw the first stone. This is, as I was reading this yesterday, I was like, I only noticed that Jesus was qualified to throw the stone. 
Because it's like, let anyone who doesn't have sin throw the stone. Jesus Christ was qualified to throw the stone. And this brought me to the understanding that Jesus Christ was qualified to take my life. He was the one who was qualified to judge me for my sin. Jesus Christ is the one who is qualified to take me out right now. But as opposed to throwing a stone at this woman, he threw salvation at this woman. As, a throw, as opposed to throwing a stone at this woman, he threw mercy at this woman. As opposed to throwing a stone at this woman, he threw, he threw grace at this woman. And that's our God, that's our Savior, as opposed to throwing a stone at us for the sins that we have made, he throws mercy at us. He throws grace at us. He throws salvation at us. He's like, you know what, you, you deserve to die, but I'm going to throw life at you. He says, I'm going to stand on the way when they throw stones, let them stone me. Because they were angry. They could have stoned Jesus and says, yeah, you'd rather stone me, not her. I'm the only one amongst us who's qualified to throw a stone and I'm not going to throw a stone at her. I want to declare to you this morning that Jesus is not standing with a stone ready to throw at you. He's standing with grace and mercy ready to cover you. He was the only one in that mess who was qualified to throw the stone. Yet he did not. He threw mercy. And this morning that mercy is available to you. You see the old wine, according to the old wine, Jesus was supposed to throw the stone. According to the law, Jesus was in his right to throw the stone. But he understood that under the new covenant, the stones will be thrown at me so that she may live. Yeah, okay. Says under the new covenant, the stone, I will take the stone. On his way to the cross, he took the stones for this woman. He says, let them throw the stones at me because I'm the one who is qualified to take the stones. And I want to declare this morning, if you are here, and you are worried about your future because you are worried that the stones are coming. He has taken the stones on your behalf. You are worried that you are going to pay for your sins. No, you don't have to pay for your sins. He has taken those sins. You are completely forgiven. You are completely forgiven. You are completely forgiven you are for completely forgiven John 8 8 to 10 and then he bent down again and wrote some more words in the dust upon hearing that the accusers slowly left the crowd at that time beginning with the oldest to the youngest with a convicted conscience until finally Jesus was left alone with the woman standing there in front of him 
Amen. I was reading the story yesterday. I was like, why have I not seen these things? Why have I not seen these things that the accusers are the ones who brought this lady to Jesus? But at the end of the day, only her and Jesus are standing. I'm like, God, it is my brokenness that brought me to you. But right now, only me and you are standing. I'm like, Jesus, it is my pain that brought me to you. But right now, only you and me are standing. Guys, there's someone here who was brought into this house by pain in their heart. But at the end of the day, it will only be you and Jesus standing. When you look around, your accusers will not be there. When you look around, your depression will not be there. It might have brought you here, but it does not belong here. When you look around, your pain will not be there. When you look around, your accusations will not be there. When you look around, your brokenness will not be there. Only you and Jesus will be standing face to face with his mercy around you, saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Finally, only this woman and Jesus say my story ends with only me and Jesus standing. Nothing else will be standing because in his presence everything else bows. I say, oh my God, brokenness, you might have brought me to Jesus, but you don't belong here. Only me and him will be left standing. The end of your story, you are standing and your accuser will be nowhere to be found. Because even in your brokenness, you belong in the presence of Jesus. There is no place he would not go to find you. And your accusers will be gone. Your accusers will be gone. Your accusers will be gone. Your accusers will not be standing. Only you and Jesus will be standing. But once more, what if the accuser is me? What if the accuser is me? Because let's be honest, our greatest accuser us our greatest accuser is is us every morning you wake up and you look at yourself you start accusing yourself. Every morning you wake up, you see the image, the perfect image that God has made. Then you come to it.
And you're like, I have a mark in my face. You accuse yourself. And the next day you come and say, I'm not, I'm not beautiful. I have two marks in my face. I'm not enough and I'm not beautiful. And then you wake up again and says, I don't deserve to be here. Now you have three marks in your face. You leave your house having done the devil's job for you. He doesn't need to accuse you because you have already accused yourself. He says, I don't, I don't deserve mercy. I don't deserve grace. I don't deserve love. I don't deserve wholeness. I don't deserve friendship. I deserve to be rejected. I'm not lovely enough. I'm not you. You wake up every morning, you look at yourself. And it's just, you can't even see yourself anymore. You can't even see yourself anymore. We're living with a sense of accusation and we are the accuser. And it's difficult for the accuser to live when the accuser lives in me. It is difficult for the accuser to live when every day I wake up in the morning all I see is accusations. You receive the mirror. At the back of it, I want you to, to take this moment. At the back of it, I want you to write the things you accuse yourself of. What accusations do you do you tell yourself every morning when you wake up? Not the devil, not Satan, but your you when you wake up in the morning, what, what do you what accusations? Say I'm I'm not enough. Turn at the back and write, write down the accusation. There's pens, guys, if you can provide pens, if you, if you need a pen, just raise your hand. What do you say to yourself? What accusations live in your life? Listen, man, this moment, forget your friend, forget your husband, forget your wife, forget, spend time with yourself. Because I can tell you, it's not the enemy's accusers that get to us. It's our own accusations that get to us.
this morning once more. This is the decision that I'm making. The decision that I'm making is to stop looking at this image. Because I want the, the things that you've written, look at it. Look at the stuff that you have written. This morning, I am making a decision. I'm no longer going to look at this image. There's a new image that God wants to show me. There's a whole image that God wants to show me. And all I need to do is flip the script. And then I look at, at myself and say, I want you to flip that paper and look at that mirror and see yourself. If Jesus was standing in front of you right now, what do you think he would be saying to you about you? He said to this woman, where are your accusers? He said to this woman, who condemns you? I do not condemn you. That's what he said to this woman. He says, I don't condemn you. What is he saying to you this morning? As you look at yourself in that image, what is he saying to you? Father God, I pray that you're ministering healing in someone right now. I pray that you are reminding them that they are beautiful. I pray that you are reminding them that the image they are looking at, please keep looking at that image, keep looking at that mirror. I pray that you are reminding them that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. I pray that you are reminding them that they are not the tail, but they are the head. I pray that you are reminding them, please remind them that they are not their brokenness, you have a destiny for them. Remind them that they are not their trauma. You have a beautiful future for them. Please remind them, Heavenly Father, that even though their past is broken, you have a great future for them. Please remind them this morning, Heavenly Father, thank you that you are reminding them that great are your plans for them. You are reminding them that they are beautiful. You are reminding them that they are whole. You are reminding them that they are worthy. You are reminding them that they are wonderful. You are reminding them that they are loved. You are reminding them that they are worthy of your love, your grace, and your forgiveness. You are reminding them that they are forgiven. You are reminding them that they are free. You are reminding them that you have great plans and great visions for them. You are reminding them that they are not going to fail. They are going to succeed. You are reminding them that they are going to walk on mountains. You are reminding them that you are walking with them. You are reminding them that you have covered them. You are reminding them that on the cross you died for them, that you have resurrected from the dead and the same resurrection power that rose you from the dead is alive in them. Thank you, Jesus, that you are reminding them that they are strong, they are wise wonderful they are standing thank you for reminding them that they are fearfully and wonderfully made thank you that you are reminding them that great are the plans that you have for
for them. Thank you, Father God, that you are saying to them this morning, behold, I am doing a new thing. Do you not see? Thank you, Father God, that this morning they are seeing a new thing when they look at themselves. They are seeing a powerful person. They are seeing a great person. They are seeing a wonderful person. Thank you that you are saying to them this morning, you are healed. You are strong. You are beautiful. You are forgiven. You are covered. You are wise. You are worthy. You deserve it. You belong. You are accepted. You are worthy. You are loved. You are forgiven. You are capable. You are accepted. You belong. You are free. You are powerful. You are strong. You are great. Your dreams matter. I thank you. I honor you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Let's give God a hand of praise. Thank you for joining us today. We believe that this message has been a blessing to you. Why not be a blessing to someone else by sharing this message with them? Also, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Goodbye and God bless.